For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Uncommon Drive Podcast with Jeff Cross and Chad Ozy. Join us as we look at life, leadership, and legacy through the lens of sports officiating. Welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Drive Podcast. My name is Chad Ozy, and I am here with Jeff Cross. It is a uh, it is the morning before the storm uh, that we are recording this today, Jeff. Snowmageddon. Uh, that's right. <laughs> it is getting ready to hit us. I uh, had a huge game tomorrow night that I was super excited to get to go work, and it's already been canceled. Mm. I'm sure we'll have people by the time this is uh, published this weekend. I'm sure we'll have lots of folks that will have gone through some of this. So just know that uh, we were thinking of you all in advance by the time you hear this and uh, hope that everybody was able to stay safe for the games that uh, did get played and that uh, for the games that didn't, that uh, you stayed home and safe and all that kind of good stuff. And for those of you uh, that are fortunate enough to live in nice, warm, (laughs) sunny places while we're dealing with all this, uh, we don't like you anyway, so no. it's okay. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Uh, you'll deal with hurricanes later, mm. and uh, we'll we'll be nice and safe then. Jeff, how's your week been? Uh, it's been a good week. You know, it's actually been a relaxing week for me. Um, I'm in the middle of a four day stretch of no games, so some some time off, which is uh, always welcomed in the end of January, early part of February. Uh, give me a chance to reset a little bit, and uh, it's now I'm preparing. You know, I got my shovel all sharpened and ready to go so uh yeah got the the uh i spent that it's amazing you get four days off what do you do you spend time working on things that you should be working on so got the oil change in the car tires rotated you know got the snowblower ready to go you know all these things that you think you're just going to sit around and, and sit in the chair you have a whole nother list of things that need to be done so absolutely um i I did something yesterday. I had a, a game up in Wisconsin. It's about a three-hour drive for me, mm-hmm. I guess. And uh, it was late. It was 7 o'clock tip. And I left, I want to say around 11 o'clock in the morning, which is super, super early even for me, probably heading up there. But I, I wanted to avoid traffic and, and things going through the city. I had to cut through Chicago to go mm-hmm. where I was going and through Milwaukee. So I'm kind of going through both and just trying to avoid some of that kind of stuff and and I made a plan uh, to get up and to to do some work, some some editing work on our our last uh, podcast uh, episode that actually comes out today, the day that we're recording, um, uh, the the last one that we recorded, uh, edited, and 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 will go live today on uh, Apple Podcast mm-hmm. or Amazon <laughs> or Spotify, wherever you're at. In fact, while we're talking about that, feel free to go on there and uh, give us a five star rating and write us a review. Uh, just had a really nice uh, review uh, yeah. written for us the other day by one of our friends from Wisconsin, mm-hmm. and uh, super appreciative about that. But I made the plan to go up there early 
so that I could uh, just get up there and relax, not worry about travel, get some work done. I had I had some computer work that I, I needed to get done, right? And uh, so I I got up there and it's amazing how many things you can get distracted by. Like I had this, I had this sub list of things that I needed to do. And some of them were for, for my job at church and some were some stuff at home. And some of it was officiating stuff and couple places I needed to return a couple things and stuff like that, you know, and you turn around and you've just blown like two and a half hours. <laughs> like yeah. it does not take time. You know, it doesn't take a lot to eat up a lot of time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It really doesn't. And so uh, we know that as uh, as our listener, that your time is valuable. Uh, we want to make good use of your time, and we hope that this podcast is a way that uh, that you make good use of your time as you are traveling from game to game and all that kind of good stuff. So my question to you, because mm-hmm. you know, I, I know the the one podcast is getting ready to go up, and I'm not for sure exactly what order you put them in. Just just so everyone's clear, who's listening. If you're wondering who does all the work of the podcast, it's not me. <laughs> okay. I mean, Chad's like editing, he's titling, he's, you know, doing this and, and doing the intros. He's doing all this stuff. I literally, he'll text me and go, Hey, do you feel like recording next Tuesday? And I'll be like, Yeah, that sounds good. Um, so, but my question is, so I, so I don't know when this podcast has come out. Have you had a chance to take a look at that book we talked about? It takes what it takes. I have looked at a couple excerpts from it. Okay. But I've not read the book yet. Okay. So I'm actually finished with that book. Okay. Which I will re-listen to. And I've started his second book, which is Neutral Thinking. So, yeah. yeah. And for those of you that are not aware, we, we talked about this really early on in the podcast. When Jeff says that he is in a book... Mm. Or that he's finished a book. Mm-hmm. He does not mean that his eyes are ever laying <laughs> on a page. Never, never. Okay, <laughs> uh, not reading. He's he's doing the same thing that you're doing as he's traveling to his next thing, mm-hmm. as he's doing whatever. He's listening to an audiobook. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I love gleaning information in. Uh, in audio form, mm-hmm. I do that all the time. But if I'm getting into a book. I have to do it hard copy mm. uh, because I'm a note taker when mm. I take bo- you know when I read books and do things like that. So it'll really frustrate me. Like if I'll be listening to a a book, uh, a leadership book or something like that in the car, and then I'm like, oh, I want to take notes, mm. and now I go to grab my iPad, and then I'll swerve into the person yeah. next to me on the road. That's just, <laughs> just not a good. It's not good for anyone's safety. But it's it's interesting because what that means is we all have very different learning styles. Mm -hmm. We all have very different learning preferences, which really speaks a lot to what we're going to talk about today on our podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think if I were to ask you right now, I don't care if you're a baseball umpire, if you're a basketball official, softball, football, whatever, right? If I asked you, what is the biggest mistake that you have made so far this season? My guess is 99% of us immediately know the mistake. Mm. We know, oh man, I misapplied a rule. Mm. Oh, I called this day. It was a block all day long and I went offensive foul and oh my gosh. Or I called strike three <laughs> on the cleanup hitter on a ball that was four inches outside and I just, I, I don't know what or why or how. 
I mean, whatever, right? Or, or maybe it was something as big as I showed up to the wrong site for mm. the game, mm-hmm. or I forgot to block something off my schedule, and then I had to deal with something with, with coaches or whatever, right? Um, for most of us, if, if I were to say, what's the biggest mistake you've made all season, it immediately comes to our mind. Mm-hmm. We know what it is. And for some of us, we might go, hmm, well, let me pick from these four or five that I have easily accessible at my fingertips. Mm-hmm. Jeff and I were having a conversation, and, uh, and I asked Jeff, hey, if, if we were talking about mistakes, you know, would, would you have just a, a real great story? And we were talking specifically mistakes with communication, mm-hmm. right? You mm-hmm. know, we, we all want to get better at communicating, and we know there's times we do it well, but there's also times we don't do it well. So I asked Jeff, you know, if, if if we were to talk about that in an upcoming podcast, would you have a story, you know, kind of at your fingertips that you'd be able to talk about? And he thought for a second, and and then this this is what he said to me. <laughs> he said, you know, I try really hard to put my mistakes behind me mm-hmm. so they're not at the forefront of my mind. Mm-hmm. Now, if somebody brought it up, yeah, I'd remember it right away, and I'd know the story behind it and everything. But I, I would have a really hard time just coming up with, yeah, that was a mistake I made. So, Jeff, I am super intrigued by this. Mm. Um, and I'd really like for us to explore this a little bit today. Tell me, number one, what got you to the point of, of wanting that to be how you handle mistakes? And then, two, how do you go about making that a reality for you? Yeah, well... You know, as you're telling that story, Chad, it brought uh, to the forefront of my thought process here was we all make mistakes. The issue is the impact that the mistake has. Okay. So that's what makes whatever mistake so uh, powerful. So when I'm just going to give you an example. You know, when I go for my walks in the daytime or whenever I'm going for my walk, and I typically go the same route. But let's just say when I want to cross the street and I got my headphones in, I'm listening to my book, whatever it is, and I cross the street and I don't look to see if any cars are coming. Mm-hmm. Clearly a mistake. But yep. the mistake is unnoticed because I didn't get hit by a car. Okay. That's where... The, the I think we make those mistakes all the time mm-hmm. and we don't realize that it really is a mistake until it has this major impact on our life. If I get hit by the car and I'm in the hospital for two weeks with a broken hip and two broken legs, I will recognize that as a major mistake and probably will spend a lot of time looking both ways before I cross the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just, you know, it's a very basic process. So you're talking about calling, you know, strike three on the cleanup hitter. Well, if you do it on the cleanup hitter with nobody on in the first inning, it has zero impact, not zero, but pretty minimal impact Mm -hmm. on whether or not you remember that play if it happens in the bottom of the ninth with the bases loaded down by three runs. Absolutely. That's what we have to understand. So for me, I only want to remember those mistakes is when the impact was major on me and how it affected the rest of my day, the rest of my game, whatever it is. So the impact of the mistake 
has more meaning than the actual mistake, if that makes sense. Sure. I don't know if that if I'm speaking clearly enough there. So how I got to a spot was understanding, yep, I just crossed the street without looking, and the impact was minimal, but I don't want that impact to be major. So I may or may not remember it, but I, you know, chances are if I think about the major consequences that I could have by getting hit by the car, then I probably will take that time to not repeat that mistake. Mm-hmm. So um, it's, it's probably not that difficult a thing to do, at least for me, to realize that don't hang on to the mistake. You know, the mistakes do happen. As we've talked about before, get back to neutral. And when I get back to neutral, I can continue to walk uh, the road. Sometimes I believe our mistakes are because of haste. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in our, if I'm just staying in, in relevance to my, my daily walk, it's because I'm in a hurry to get across the street. Not because I had to risk my life to cross the street. It's just because I'm in a hurry because I want to get the walk over I didn't want to take, I didn't want to stop and actually look both ways before I did that. Or I'm cold on my walk. Why am I cold? Because I didn't want to take two seconds to put on gloves and a hat. Mm-hmm. That was a mistake. But, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine. I won't really r- reveal their name, but um, they were having some problems with with their, um, some family members and, and just how to deal with those situations. And um, again, my phrase came up because they were trying to, um, keep their kid or are trying to help their family member from making another mistake. And it had to do with whatever financing and borrowing some money and things like that. And then uh, they came to conclusion of, okay, yes, I'll help you with the money, but we're going to go and we're going to go buy the gas and the groceries that you need. I'm not just going to give you the money, go do that thought that they were teaching their kid a lesson and they probably were, but suffering has value. And that mistake that that kid make is going to have a more of an impact when he or she goes hungry for a day or two and he or she can't get in their car and drive anywhere because of, and we, we struggle with that. We struggle with the fact that we don't want our close friends. We don't want our relatives. We don't want our kids to do, to suffer with anything. Even as something simple as going without gas for two extra days because we don't want them to suffer when really it could have more of a positive impact if they can feel the suffer. You know, I think we've said in the officiating world for a long time that, um, you know, we want to learn from our mistakes. We talked about that in, in, mm-hmm. in an earlier podcast. And, you know, I've always made the statement that you know, I don't have enough time in my officiating career to just learn from my own mistakes. I want to learn mm-hmm. from other people's mistakes too. Mm-hmm. Well, the reason though that it's easier to learn from your own mistakes than other people's mistakes is because most of the time, personal mistakes hurt. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And from the time that we are very, very young, we mm-hmm. attach pain with things we don't want to do again. Mm-hmm. You know, my niece. Uh, who's now in middle school, when she was very, very young, touched the hot burner on an electric stove Mm -hmm. and burned herself pretty good, Mm -hmm. right? Do you know what she's never done (laughs) 
ever again the rest of her life. Yeah, I bet she's never touched that stove. That's right. <laughs> never. Never without checking to see. Mm-hmm. Is it on? Is it hot? Is it whatever? It it didn't leave lasting damage to her, but it was something that left such a mental imprint on her. Mm-hmm. She will not make that mistake again. I remember a time when, when I was a, a young teenager. We were taking some stuff apart. We had a bunch of boards out. I wasn't paying attention. I went and stepped, and I put a nail all the way through my foot. How about it? (laughs) Because I stepped on about a four-inch nail sticking up out of a a Mm two-by-four. And I can guarantee you that to this day, whenever I'm around stuff that's being deconstructed, I am super careful about where I go because it was painful. Mm -hmm. It hurt. So... You know, you just said, you know, that person wanting to keep their their child from that pain, you know, sometimes we as officials, sometimes we'll try to keep crew members from pain. Like Mm -hmm. we'll we'll try to step in and save the day and be Superman or Superwoman or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that that may work in the moment and that may be what what is needed in the moment to serve that game the best. Right. There are other times, though, where, you know, having that personal pain attached to the mistake helps us not make that mistake again. And so I I just heard you say when you're talking about your your walk, that one of the mistakes that we make are mistakes that are hasty mistakes. They're made out of haste. Mm -hmm. So can we just talk for a minute? Can you give us some examples in the officiating world? of mistakes that we make out of haste. Yeah, well, my first instinct is to go towards replay, the replay system. When we're going to the monitor, many, many mistakes are made there in haste because we're so used to the game going back and forth and having this type of flow and it's go and the whistle blows and we stop and we get it going again and all those things happen. And then when we go to a replay system, we have to throttle down. Mm-hmm. It has to go slow. If we try to keep our replay reviews at the same pace that the game's actually going, you will miss clock, elbows, you know, whatever, right? Wrong mm-hmm. numbers. You'll miss all that stuff in your haste to go as fast as what you would normally go during the game. So that's the that's the big one for me. I mean, when even so much as, you know, we've talked about this before, but when a when someone goes to a 10 mm-hmm. and I come at them at a 3, then we meet in the 5. Mm-hmm. Less chances for mistake. Someone comes at me in a 10 and I match them with a 10 or 11 or 12, we're going to have mistakes that are made probably within the communication ranks. I'm yep. going to say something. I'm going to react. I'm either going to say something I regret or that I shouldn't have said. I'm going to maybe even react to something that is being said to me in the haste. So all those things come into play. So that's why I, we have to, that haste, whether it be within the communication, what am I about to say? So the only way I can control what I'm going to say is I have to come in as low as possible, mm-hmm. if anything, to control the words that come out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. The bonus is the coach, player, whoever, the person I'm speaking to can come down to at least somewhere at a happy medium, five or six, so we can have some sort of uh, a constructive uh, conversation. Yeah, and you know, 
those those things like that where where we are feeling the pressure of time mm -hmm. creates the opportunity for hasty mistakes. Mm. I think another place where we see a lot of of hasty mistakes are before a contest has begun. For instance, I've seen umpires go to a plate meeting and the manager will hand them their lineup. They'll glance at it. They'll grab the lineup from the other manager. They'll glance at it. And then they're immediately going to the home coach. Hey coach, take us around, mm -hmm. you know, or if it's a, if it's a pro game, you know, that umpire may be leading that conversation around and it's like, okay, I got to get past this lineup thing so that we can get to the thing that's more important right now or i just want to get the plate meeting over with or whatever and now we realize <laughs> that we've got the same person batting in the three spot and the six spot mm. because they always bat in the six and he decided to put him up in the three spot today but then as he was writing out the rest of his lineup he just always writes that person in the six spot mm -hmm. you know and and we didn't catch it at the plate meeting and now we've got major issues because we didn't take time or whether or not the dh was properly listed or whatever right mm -hmm. i have seen it happen over and over and over in basketball games crew chief will go over to the uh to the scores table and maybe in their haste just to get stuff done and get back over and talk with the crew, they don't run the shot clock down. Mm -hmm. And now we realize that there is a shot clock issue that we could have taken care of beforehand. Or there's, you know, we don't have as many people in the book as there are out on the court mm. or whatever. You know, all those little things that sometimes we're like, well, but but this is a college game or this is a high school varsity game or this is a whatever, they're, they're going to have it right and they don't have it right. And now, you know, we're in a we're in a tough spot. So I'm going to go back to your plate meeting. Yep. If it's you and I at the plate meeting and I'm the home plate umpire and I do exactly what you talk about it in a haste. Mm -hmm. I'm like, "Okay, home team visiting team, boom, throw my pocket, take us around, skipper, right? Do all that stuff." You could have said, "Let me see that lineup." But the lesson would have never been learned mm -hmm. by me by feeling the pain of the visiting coach coming out and going, hey, that's they got the same person batting twice in the same lineup. That's what that pain, that suffering is what's going to get me to not potentially make that mistake again. Yeah. So, yeah, we want to, and that's what we talk about. We, you know, we don't want our kids to get step on nails. We don't want our kids to get burned by stoves and we don't want anything that to happen but ultimately the greatest lesson is for you to experience it mm -hmm. as much as we want to learn from other people's mistakes and that's how you do do, do develop but you just don't understand the impact of you no one will understand the impact of i'm going to try to think of a, of a different scenario no one will understand the impact of going to dinner ordering dinner for you, your wife, and your you know another couple, and say I I'll pay for it, and you go to your pocket and your wallet's not there. Mm -hmm. You'll never understand it until your wallet's not there. If every time I went to the restaurant, my wife said to me, "You got your wallet," I would never learn that. 
Now that's, a, but it, that's the part of suffering that we have to experience. No one wants to learn the lesson of jumping off a cliff with no parachute. Okay. We don't want to learn that lesson, That's right. but there's so many small lessons that we can learn if we just let the people feel the pain. Well, and you said something earlier when you were talking about your, your walk, but let's, let's put it, let's put it on the basketball court. Okay. Okay. We know that we are always supposed to check to see if the clock is properly started. Mm-hmm. We know we're always supposed to check to see if the possession arrow has switched. Uh, we we know that we're always supposed to be aware of how many timeouts a team does or doesn't have. We know we're supposed to be aware of taking media timeouts at a certain point or whatever, right? So there are all these things that it is part of our job description to do. Mm-hmm. Let's say I don't check to see if the possession arrow switched. But the person at the table does it correctly every time. Okay. I still made a mistake. Mm-hmm. I still made a mistake. Just because I don't remember it mm. being a mistake mm-hmm. doesn't mean it wasn't a mistake. It had no impact. It had no impact. You're exactly right. So one of the dangers of continuing to make mistakes that have no impact is that we fool ourselves into thinking we're not making mistakes. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's good stuff. You know, uh, I could I could have somebody grade out a game for me. Say, hey, I want you to grade every single call that I made or didn't make on a game, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I could get a perfect score because I only had four calls in my primary the whole game, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I could walk out going, I'm a 100% play caller. No, you just didn't have as many opportunities for mistakes. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it has to do with the opportunities we do and don't have. Sometimes, though, it's just because we haven't felt the impact. Mm-hmm. And once we've felt that impact, we don't want to make those mistakes anymore. So that, that first type that we were talking about there was those, those hasty mistakes mm-hmm. that we make. I also heard you talking, and, and I'm going to put my own term on this here, okay? I'm going to call them active mistakes, mm-hmm. all right? And so what I mean by that is I'm actively trying to get it right. It's okay. not... It's not that I just was was glancing past it. I'm not just being hasty about it, right? Okay, I'm trying to call this play correctly, and it should have been a block, and I called an offensive foul. Or I'm trying to call this pitch correctly, and I called it a strike, and it bounced in the dirt, whatever, right? So I actively made a wrong choice. Okay. How do you keep those kinds of mistakes from being at the forefront of your mind. Like you said, I, I forget about, you know, I, I want to put them away. I don't want them to be at the forefront of my mind. How do you take something where you just actively got it wrong? How do you move that away from the forefront of your mind? Well, this is where us learning from other people's mistakes is is beneficial to us. Okay. So if I've if I'm actively trying to get it right, I'm actively checking the scorebook. I'm actively looking to make sure we don't have any repeat numbers. I'm, I'm actively looking for all of that, right? 
and still a mistake gets by me, that's when I need to share the mistake. Because if I share the mistake, you know, as much as I want to put it behind me, I still need to share it to let everyone know Jeff Cross made a mistake, which could have been easily prevented. But, you know, I, I almost always check the shot clock. But for whatever reason, you know, I got distracted by the the replay system or I got distracted by, you know, the timeout coordinator, whatever I got distracted by, and I didn't check in it. Then it came back to bite me. So that's where I think we can get past that. The, whatever those mistakes are is we have to share them with as many people as possible as soon as possible. Do not hide behind the major impact mistake. That's the one we have to share all the time. You know, that, like you're saying, that block charge. I call a block when it's 100% charge. I have to share it with as many people. I need to show it to people in the locker room. I need to email it to people, say, check this play out. What do you think? You know, all those things, because the more I share it, the more feedback I'm going to get on how maybe I potentially could not make that mistake again, even though I'm actively trying to get it correct. I think that's my number one thing that I want to do when I'm actively trying to do something correct, but still make a mistake. I like that because again, that goes back to the brotherhood and sisterhood of officiating. Mm -hmm. We, you know, we, we said before officiating is a team sport, Mm -hmm. you know, and one of the things that I think happens with those active mistakes. uh, I remember I was at the mid American uh, umpire clinic uh, several years ago that Jason Blackburn runs down in Springfield, Missouri. And Jason shared a play that he had from a game. That was a weird play. Um, And ends up being a, a catcher's balk. We have all sorts of weird things where people are being scored and stuff's happening. Like it is a super unusual play. I mean, maybe you see this play once in a career. And by that, I don't mean that you personally experience it once in a career. Like you may only see it happen to somebody else Mm -hmm. once in a career. And Jason began sharing that all over the place. It eventually got shared all over social media. And the reason it got shared is because Jason handled it correctly. Mm. He nailed it. From a mechanic standpoint, he nailed it. From a rules knowledge and application, he nailed it. Awesome. I can guarantee you 99 out of 100 umpires would have gotten that one wrong. Mm. Now, they could say they would have gotten it right, yeah. but they're lying. Right, right, right. <laughs> okay? Right. Mm-hmm. Okay? But what he did was... He shared it not as a, hey, look at me and how good I did. It had nothing to do with that. It was totally about, this is a place where we could have made a mistake. Mm. And I don't want anybody else to make that mistake. Right? Mm. So we share. Now, he could have done the exact same thing if he gotten it wrong. Mm-hmm. If he gotten it wrong, and, and knowing Jason, he would have shared it just as much had he gotten it wrong as if he'd gotten it right. Because he would have wanted other people to have learned from that mistake. So sometimes what happens is we have to share active mistakes, successes, places that we could find those mistakes so that other people don't make them. The other thing that we need to do is every time we come across weird situations, we need to be sharing them with the other officials we come in contact with. Mm -hmm. Every single time. Mm -hmm. There's a local junior college by me that has the numbers eight, nine, and 17 as player numbers. It's ridiculous. Sounds illegal. That would be illegal. More than definitely (laughs) illegal, right? And so we've had multiple conversations with officials in our area. 
how does this get handled? There's even been confusion uh, between lots of different people about how it should be adjudicated mm-hmm. according to the rules. And so if a if we don't share that with other officials, they just walk into that game and they're blindsided by mm-hmm. it. But because we know, and this is the cool said they're not gonna change their uniforms this season. All right, let's let's make sure people know. I walked into my game last night. I had two high-level officials that I was working with, and they talked with me about a situation. I believe it happened up in Wisconsin um, where a, a school had eight seniors on their squad. And so the coach said, I'm going to start all eight. Mm-hmm. Right Now, this is something any of us could be facing right now towards the end of the season. Sure. Right? Mm-hmm. Senior night. I've got eight seniors. I want to honor all eight of them by having them listed as starters and having them actually go out for the opening tip. What in the world do you do <laughs> when one team's got eight people out for the opening tip? Mm-hmm. And when does it become illegal? Mm-hmm. Does it become illegal? What is? What if the other team doesn't want that team to be penalized? What if the other team says, well, then you know what? If you're going to start with eight, we're going to start with six. There we go. Which is exactly what happened in this particular situation, right? And it's one of those deals that if you don't talk about that, when are you going to see that? Maybe once in 10 years? Mm -hmm. I don't know. But if you're going to see it tomorrow night, I'd much rather we talked about it. They may just go, oh, that was an interesting story, right? So even though, and let's say that had been me and that had been I had done it incorrectly and I had made that mistake. Mm -hmm. I don't want to dwell on that to the point that it's at the forefront of my mind and it's keeping me from doing well, but I do want it to be present enough in my mind that I'm sharing it with other people so that they don't make those same mistakes. So what was the umpire's name you said that, that shared his play? What was Jason Blackburn? So Jason, he's sharing this play because he got it right. And you feel that he would share the play if he did it incorrectly. Absolutely. I think Jason would have shared it either way. What does that take? It takes amazing self-image, and you can't let your pride get in the way. Mm. Because so many of us, you know, at some, either all the time or just some of the time, they let their pride get in the way of, I don't want to share this because I don't want anybody to know that I just messed up a play. Mm-hmm. I want to try and keep it under the curtain, you know, or under the rug. And that's where you've got to be. We're afraid that we're going to damage our self-image. I mean, I've worked so hard to get where I'm at in the game that I'm afraid to let anyone know that I just made a mistake. If we can have a mind shift and, you know, listen, I'm not worried about my self-image. I'm worried about the self-image of all officials, Mm -hmm. not just mine, and the pride of all referees, not just mine. We will be better as a group. Absolutely. And, you know, what does it what does it benefit us to see somebody else make a mistake that we could have kept them from making? (laughs) Yes, I I agree. It's it's better, not better. We are going to learn more quickly when we make our own mistakes. Mm -hmm. And there are times and places where that is valuable. Mm -hmm. Okay, but. In a situation like this, those two officials that shared with me last night, what they said was, we care enough about you as an official 
that we don't want you to get into a place that could be bad for you and for the game. Mm-hmm. It would have done them no good just to keep it to themselves. What, what's that going to What's that gonna do? Okay, so now I end up someplace next week and I make the same mistake and they hear about it. Oh, we should have said something to <laughs> you. That, we yeah. just had that happen the week before <laughs> or so-and-so had it happen mm-hmm. or whatever, you know? Um, those are those are things where we need to be looking out for one another and helping each other keep from making those mistakes. Now, I want to come back to this idea though, that you're able to take and, and put these mistakes away from the forefront of your mind. I, I have to think that you're not able to move them away from the forefront of your mind until you've learned the lesson from them. Is that accurate? Um, Yeah, I would think that would be accurate. And if there's enough suffering, you will learn the lesson quickly. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to go back a number of years ago. I was working a Division II game, and it was a tight ball game. And we had uh, timeouts were called. We were doing options to advance or whatever it was. The ball goes through the net. And the team that just shot the ball called a timeout. And we grant the timeout. And my partner goes, I think we have an issue. I think we have a problem. I'm like, what's going on? Yeah, I think they're out of timeouts. I, for whatever reason, in my haste to get the game going again or whatever it was, not getting the information from the table, not looking at the scoreboard, you know, I can, the list could be a mile long. I didn't know they were out of timeouts. Okay. So, we had to penalize, right? Excessive timeout, it's two shots and the loss of all. Now, the pe- the the uh, the suffering could have been way worse than what it was. Mm-hmm. If we if we just take a let's just say the shooting, the other team it just made a basket and then the that team calls that excessive timeout when they were supposed to get the ball, they were going to lose the ball, mm-hmm. right? But I was fortunate enough to where the team that just made the basket called the excessive timeout. So they already didn't have the ball. Yep. Wasn't a big deal. They go down, shoot two free throws. They're going to lose the ball anyway. They miss both their free throws. The suffering was very, very minimal. Sure. But I didn't, you know, after the game's all over and I'm processing all the potential things that could have went wrong, now almost like clockwork. You know, when when I know a team's out of timeouts, I'm telling all my partners, I'm telling coaches, I'm verifying with the scorekeeper, I'm doing all that stuff because of that that mistake. Now, it didn't have a major suffering impact, but I knew it was basically one free throw away. If they would have made one of those free throws, instead of that game going in overtime, they the, the other team wins, and then now it has such a major impact. So, So I guess my point is, just because it doesn't have a major impact on what you're doing or doesn't involve major suffering, if you look at the potential suffering you could have had, it can help you learn that lesson real quick. You know, if I go back to me taking my walk, if the car goes zooming by me and, he, you know, that car six inches away from running over my foot, that, even though I didn't get hit by the car, can still, you know, scare the daylights out of you and make you look both ways before you cross the road. Yeah, there was a study that was done several years ago, and I apologize. I, I don't remember exactly where I, I read this, 
but it talked about uh, it was about learning styles and it was about retaining information and things like that. And the study said that people with an elevated heart rate were more likely to retain. Mm. And when you think about it, okay, you you start to step out in front of that car and it goes whizzing by. Woo, your mm. heart rate goes way <laughs> up, right? Now, there mm-hmm. is a physical reaction that's attached to that. You make that mistake in that game and the whole time they're shooting their free throws, you're going, oh, no, oh, mm-hmm. no, oh, no, oh, no, you know, mm-hmm. and your heart rate's going up mm-hmm. and it's all those kinds of things. And so just because it didn't have a major impact on your game, just because it didn't have a major impact with your assigner or coordinator or whatever, doesn't mean that you didn't recognize the major impact that it could have. Mm-hmm. I think there's a big difference between that and us just not recognizing the fact that it was a mistake to begin with, you know, and maybe we go back and we see later on film or something like that. And, you know, sometimes that's got to be the people around us need to, need to bring attention. You realize that mistake could have had a major impact, mm-hmm. you know, that, you know, it, cause maybe I don't realize it, you know, but then as we get in the locker room, you know, maybe my partner says it's a good thing they missed both free throws and good thing. It was a team that just made the basket. So they already didn't have the ball. Mm-hmm. All those, all those things can, can come in, but the only way it's going to happen is we have to share that information. Absolutely. So now if, if one of the things that many of us struggle with is this idea that we have a hard time letting go mm-hmm. of our mistakes, what are some steps that you take to begin to let go of those mistakes so they don't continue to eat away at you? Yeah. Um, that's a hard question, Chad. I'm not for sure if I have any set pattern to know that I'm going to, okay, this is how I'm going to let go of this mistake. Um, you know, I think the first thing I got to do is I got to accept the facts. Okay, a mistake was made. Um, what, you know, what kind of impact did it have on whatever I was doing? whether that be at the school or in a, in a game or in a pregame or whatever it is, what kind of impact was there? Um, and what, you know, what am I going to do differently to not, not necessarily to not make the mistake, but to go back to what I know is right. Okay. Um, you know, cause I don't want to talk about things that I don't want to do. I, I'm, you know, I don't want to say don't want to do, but I just don't want to talk. I don't want to think about that mistake much, much further than, the short time I need to get it behind me. So um, if I share it two or three times, I, I, I talk about it with people, break it down, get to the facts, understand the impact that it had. If I do all of that, I feel like I'm going to go right back to, to neutral again and start going, going what I've, you know, what I've learned how to do over the past 20 years. I've learned how to call plays and this one mistake's not going to define me, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Or it's not going to uh, impress me for the next week on how how many oh, look at all these mistakes I've made. So, so I don't know that there's real a, a real science there, but everyone needs to find a way because you know I I would believe that if there was a if there was a mistake that I made and I kept it a secret and didn't share it, it still feels very uncomfortable mm-hmm. to, to even think about, you know, it just, it kind of consumes me. 
But if I make a mistake and share it three or four times within the first day, I'm very comfortable talking about it now. I'm very yep. comfortable going, yep, this is what happened. This is what, These are the things I've talked about with some other people. They've mentioned that maybe we could have done this. And then that way I can move forward into the next game. So it's kind of like public speaking, right? Everyone's like, oh, I'm really afraid to get up there and talk in front of people. And I think that is a real fear for a lot of people. But some of that fear is because they just don't do it. They would just get up there and do it in front of five people and then do 10 people and then 20 people. Next thing you know, you're in front of a thousand people all because you just kept on repeating it. So I think that's how you can get comfortable getting past mistakes is getting comfortable admitting to them and admitting them to others. No, that's good. And you you mentioned something about the, the way you phrase things to yourself. And mm-hmm. so let me let me see if if I'm hearing it right and, and maybe putting it in a way that all of us could use at our, our game tonight or this weekend or the next time we hit a quarter or a field or whatever. So let's say that the last time you made a mistake because you didn't check the shot clock before mm-hmm. the game started, right? So that's just one of those, the, those hasty mistakes, right? Instead of saying, ooh, I can't forget to check the shot clock. Instead, you're saying, I need to remember to do my job of checking the shot clock. I'm going to check the shot clock. Yep. Because now it's not coming at it from the negative Mm -hmm. of I can't forget. Oh, I made that mistake. Mm -hmm. Oh, whatever. Now it's just the process of going through what it is that I'm supposed to do. Well, you know, it's because if I forget to check the shot clock, and I make that mistake, then I go into my next game, and I go, if I forget to check the shot clock, you know, I'm, I'm going to make another mistake. If I do this, instead, I'm going to go, I'm going to check the shot clock. Right? Winners don't go, hey, if we get to the end zone. They go, when I'm mm-hmm. getting to the end zone. You know, when I throw this touchdown pass. That's what they do. They don't go, if I throw a touchdown pass. I'm going to celebrate or whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's just a way, and I talked about we talked about it before, right? Saying those kind of things out loud are going to be so beneficial to you in the long run. So change the way you do things. Um, and that is saying things like, I'm going to check the shot clock. I am going to make sure I check the game ball. I am going to make sure I verify timeouts after everyone's been taken. Those are the things I'm going to do that are going to make me successful in those small um, achievements throughout the game, the next thing you know, the final buzzer goes off and you've did, you've done all your things. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I find it interesting that even when we're talking about these mistakes, we're still coming back to communication, 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 mm-hmm. you know, and one form of communication we've talked about is, is self-communication, mm-hmm. the, way, the way we're going to talk to ourselves negatively or positively. We've talked about communicating with crewmates so that other people don't make those same mistakes Mm -hmm. or not. Right. So then I'd like for us to talk about one more type of communication here that centers on mistakes, that it's probably the one type of communication that we hate more than anything else. You've made a mistake and let's just say it's a biggie. Okay. Right. And now you have to communicate with your coordinator mm. about the mistake. Mm-hmm. What What's the process that you go through when you have to have that communication with them? 
So, you know, typically if it's a biggie, right, it'll probably mm-hmm. happen in the locker room. Yep. You know, so you're, you're just going to tell everyone what you're going to do. I'm going to recall the boss. You know, I may even poll the crew and say, you know, is there anything that I need to make sure that I shouldn't forget? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, things like that. So, um, but when I get on the phone with the boss, it is straight facts. Mm-hmm. It is straight facts. And I try to be, I try to detach as much emotion as possible. Mm. I'm just, this is what happened. And if they get emotional, that's okay. But I'm still going to stay within the facts here. And the facts are, you know, we let a player play with five fouls. But the facts are, we didn't get notified about the fifth foul until, you know, 30 seconds after they, we found it. These are the facts. And that's all I'm going to do. Just stick to those things because people can sense whether or not you're emotional. They can sense that I feel like you're holding something from me because you are not. Because now you're maybe you're going back and forth. You're going all around. You know, if I stick to the facts, hey, this is Chad Ozy, Jeff Cross, and Missy Brooks. We just got done working at this arena. And the final score was this team to this team. And this is the situation we had that might be that we need to bring to your attention. It's that simple. Instead of going, Patty, you'll never believe what happened, and it's this, and, and I think you know that so and so ran us off the floor, la la la. That that means nothing. We need the facts, and I think that helps the person who's receiving the information understand the process of what's going on, and it helps you communicate even better. Mm. I like that. Um, I had a friend of mine just a week or so ago. They'd made a mistake with their schedule. Mm-hmm. Right. And they received a game from an assigner where they already had a game from another assigner, you know, and they had to, they had to make that phone call to them and they reached out to me ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Right. What should I say? What should I do? How do I go about this? Has doesn't matter what I said. Doesn't matter what they said. I think that was a brilliant move on their part. They called somebody else, owned up to the fact that they made a mistake. Right? Mm-hmm. Then that caused them to take a beat. Mm-hmm. Now, instead of calling back out of panic Mm -hmm. out of frustration out of whatever right Mm -hmm. they were able to talk it through with somebody else Mm -hmm. and then make that call the assigner here's the facts i received a game on such and such a date i did not go in and close that out on your site when that happened i already committed to this game i apologize that i did not take care of that but i cannot accept this assignment because of the game that I accepted on such such date, right? Real simple, real straightforward. Not going to make that assigner happy because mm-hmm. now they have to go in and do the work twice, mm-hmm. right? But it's a whole lot better than calling in a tizzy, mm-hmm. trying to make excuses, mm-hmm. trying to do this, trying to do that, whatever. You know, just taking that moment. But it required that person being vulnerable enough mm-hmm. to say. I made a mistake and they could have kept it all to themselves. Mm-hmm. But because they didn't, it was a little clearer. 
and, and we've all had moments like that. I had a moment like that just this week with Jeff. I called Jeff in a panic because I'm like, oh my gosh, I got this game. I've already got a game. I know I need to take this game, but now I'm going to have to tell this person and blah, blah, blah. And then I I read through the the email a little bit further. It's like, oh wait, it's the next Thursday, not this Thursday. But if I hadn't taken the moment to call, I may have already communicated with the assigner saying I'm double booked. Mm -hmm. And and I don't get double booked. I mean, I, I stay really on top of my stuff, which is why I was so you know, confused in that moment, but I just, I got ahead of myself and that caused me to take a beat and wait. And I don't know if you remember, if you remember this because you were kind of, you know, you were, you know, you were teetering, right? Like, oh, we're going to lose him here, right? But I said very, very little on that that phone call. Mm -hmm. Very little. Yep. I listened. Mm -hmm. You said all these things. It spawned something in your memory you're like, hold on, let me check something. I'm still sitting there yeah. on the other on the, on the other line, just not not saying a thing. And you're like, oh man, I made a mistake. You know, it's wrong Thursday, whatever. And the only thing I had to say at the end was, hmm, glad it worked out. <laughs> That's right. You know what I mean? I didn't have to do a thing except for answer the phone. Yeah. And you know, so I think it brings me to another point in this in this topic, if that's what you want to call this. We were talking about calling our boss and, you know, maybe calling someone else just to, you know, do a practice run or how should I handle it? Whatever it is. I also believe that needs to, we need to think of the reverse of this too. When the boss boss calls you, Mm. make sure you're prepared to talk. Mm -hmm. Don't answer the phone. If you're in the middle of, you know, whatever, a doctor's appointment or whatever it is, or you just received some bad news or, you're, you know, trying to, you know, get something squared away with your elderly relatives, whatever that is. If you're not prepared to give that person your undivided attention, because you never know what it's going to be about. It mm-hmm. could be something as simple as, hey, Sunday's pink day. Don't forget to wear your pink. Or it could be, I don't want to know if you can get 10 hours in, eight hour, in an eight-hour day. Mm-hmm. So are you prepared to handle that conversation wherever it goes? So I think there's, as much as we... We always talk about this. When the boss calls, you answer, right? Mm-hmm. But I think there's some value. If you're not prepared to answer, a simple text, I'll call you back in two minutes. Mm-hmm. And then make sure it's two minutes, not 10. Right, exactly. Give me just a minute. I'm finishing up an appointment. I will call you back in 15 minutes or whatever that is. Mm-hmm. That way you can have your the headspace you need for whatever might be happening. And I think that's a mistake that we make when the boss calls, oh, this is going to be nothing, right? And it ends up being something, and you're not ready. Mm-hmm. So, fi- make sure you're make sure you're you're prepared, because when the boss calls, whether it's a Randy, a Missy Brooks, a Patty Roderick, whoever that is, on the end of the line is they're taking that time to call. You want to make sure that they can use that time wisely, because as you said at the very very beginning of the podcast. Everyone's time is important, mm-hmm. including the people that are calling you. Absolutely. You know, so as we've talked today, you know, there are there are mistakes that we make. There are mistakes that we make out of haste. There are active mistakes that we make just because we, we chose poorly mm-hmm. for whatever reason, right? But how is it that we learn from our mistakes? How is it that we keep from repeating our mistakes? 
And then how do we move those things away from the forefront of our mind so that they don't influence the next decision that we have to make? You know, we'd love to hear from you if you've got some great ideas of ways that that you keep things from being present in your mind, especially if it's in game. If you've got some great tips for that, send those to us at uncommondrivepodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear those from you. Uh, We'll share those in upcoming podcasts. Um, If there are things that other people have done to help you get through moments like that, let us know. Uh, The way we all get better is by being part of the same team. Officiating is a team sport, and that's part of what makes us uncommon. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's going to make us better moms, better dads, better grandpas, whatever that is. It's going to make us better. It's going to make a better employee. It's going to make it maybe a better employer. Maybe you own your own business. Um, And these are all things that if we listen, just like I did when you called, didn't have to do anything. You solved your own problem. I just answered the phone. And then we are able to to take those mistakes, learn from them, analyze what the actual problem was, and then put it on the back shelf. You've learned from it. Let's keep on going. Yep, no problem. I got no problem t- never touching a hot stove again. I've been burned by it. I've learned it's hot. It causes a scar. It blisters up. And it was very painful for three weeks. I've learned that. Now let's go. So I think it's this is a good this is a good episode right here. I like it. Folks, we appreciate your time. We love the opportunity to share with you and we would love for you to share back with us. Don't forget to leave us a review, to rate us, uh, to send us any questions or comments that you might have as we all attempt uh, to be uncommon in our drive to success. Talk to y'all soon. See you guys. Thanks for listening to the Uncommon Drive Podcast. Be sure to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And be sure to leave us a five-star rating. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.